I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is director Phil Fury, and we're going to talk about his film Since the Bombing of Pan Am Flight 103. Welcome to the show. Thank you. As I had mentioned to you, I was at Syracuse when I heard the news that this plane had disappeared. I remember exactly where I was. I had left a graduate class. I was at the top of a hill. It was a dark, cold night. I had the radio on and I could not believe the news. Do you remember hearing about this at the after the aftermath of this uh, disaster? Uh, I don't exactly because I was uh, eight years old at the time. Oh. So um, it, it didn't necessarily process for me when it happened. Okay. Um, but I do recall you know, a very similar experience to you when 9-11 occurred. And that actually yes. was one of the kind of, there were several reasons why I decided to make this film. Um, and one of them for me was I had the same, you know, guttural reaction. It's so bizarre how when you hear strange or horrific news, um, how it kind of like fuses your memory to the sights and sounds and exactly where you are when you, when yes. you hear it. And it's 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 kind of a, a form of a mini trauma, I believe. Um, uh, especially, I mean, that's just saying as a, as a outsider or an observer, it's, I can't even imagine what it would be like for someone who actually lost someone. Oh, I can't either. I, on that flight or yeah. in 9-11, yeah. I, I wanted to share some details. I put the information about your film, Phil, on my uh, blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Um, by the way, I don't know if you know this or knew the show was called Get the Funk Out, but the reason being is because we all go through these moments in life where we don't know sometimes how to pick ourselves back up. And I went through something of my own, but really I created the show as a platform for people to share uh, pieces of themselves, projects, anything really uh, is insight into maybe helping someone else. Um, so I'm just sharing that just to give you a little yeah. side with the no, show. No, that's about. great. Um, so on my show blog, I just want to share it, um, unless you want to just in your own words talk about the film, but I was going to read a little bit about what the film is about. Sure. I mean, um, just before you feel free to comment, but um, yeah. but yeah, um, when I was studying abroad in London, um, it that was it was my uh, fall semester of senior year, and that's when I was in London when nine eleven occurred, mm -hmm. and um, I just remember it was such a a devastating time. Um, it felt so. I was heartbroken to be an American from the New York area yeah. um, in away from my country at, the, at that moment. Um, and it wasn't until years later when I found out um, where I sort of like rediscovered Pan Am Flight 103. Um, I was looking for little documentaries to produce um, and I found a story about an artist on Montauk, um, Long Island. Uh, who um, who lost her son in the bombing, and um, she created this beautiful work of art. Her name is Susa Lowenstein, um, and she encapsulated in sculptures, like larger-than-life sculptures, the moment that mothers, wives, daughters, sisters, 
all heard that the plane had gone down. So it's this heartbreaking, like gut-wrenching work of art. And I thought, why not do a, a, a little short film about this? And mm -hmm. so I, I reached out to Sousa. She was wonderful. Her and her husband met with me and agreed to, to work with me. Um, and so we started doing a, a little short documentary. It wasn't going to be, you know, probably longer than 15 or 20 minutes. And, um, and then I just realized as I was covering this, this is huge. This is like a gigantic event that, that yeah. nobody really knows about, um, in America at least. Um, uh, or if they do, they're above a certain age. They're, you know, just basically no young people knew about it. Right. And what really got me kind of just really um, moved was the fact that I realized the, the students who were on the flight from Syracuse University where you attended yeah. um, graduate school, uh, they were all coming home from their semester in London. Right. Um, on December 21st, 1988. Yes. And I had an idea in my head. I'm like, God, you know, that sounds familiar. So I went through all of my boxes of, of things that I had saved and I found my plane ticket mm. and I came home the exact same time and the ah. exact same flight from Heathrow to JFK um, on December 21st, 2001. And so I was just so moved by that. And I instantly felt a connection to this because like, if it just had happened, uh, you know, 13 years later, um, it would have been me, it would have been my parents and yes. it would have been, and that's just, I think the, the true unfairness of terrorism is that it really doesn't matter who, right. um, and the, the point is, is that it's a, a warm body um, that they that they take out. And it, yeah. and if anything, the individuality of the victim is so um, just ripped away from them, in addition yeah. to their into the, their of their lives. It's mm. it's so that really kind of moved me. And I, I, I just thought, wow, this is a big story. And so I kind of expanded the film. Were you a filmmaker? Like, had you done other things or did this shift your uh, shift you professionally to become a filmmaker? I was a TV news producer. So okay. um, it was sort of a, it wasn't that difficult mm -hmm. to make the transition. Um, and I used to cover the Oscars every year and, um, uh, you know, coincidentally, they were yesterday. Yeah. Um, but uh, I used to cover the Oscars every year and I would cover the documentary um uh there was a always an academy uh, event at, at the academy headquarters um on wilshire boulevard in los angeles um they would interview all of the um documentary filmmakers who mm -hmm. were uh, nominated that in whatever year and uh a lot of them when i was speaking to them they said that they had started out as a news producer so interesting that that was kind of the idea that made me think like oh maybe i could make a documentary and it really wasn't that much of a transition that's amazing yeah um so i want to just read a little bit about the film i put this on my blog the 1988 bombing of Pan Am Flight 103 over Lockerbie Scotland killed 270 innocent people 
and began the new age of terrorism. terrorism. Bound together in tragedy, the victims' relatives fought for justice only to watch it unravel for Libyan oil. Abandoned by the United States government in their hour of need, American families of the dead weaponized the media and refused to let, that, let the matter be swept under the rug. With nothing left to lose, they demanded answers for the crime, brought down the once iconic Pan Am World Airways for its negligence and changed forever the way governments handled victims of terrorism. Along the way, they found the comfort they needed, not from elected officials, but from the small, quiet Scottish village of Lockerbie, which lost 11 of its own citizens when the wreckage of Pan Am Flight 103 rained down upon it. Could you talk a little bit more about, you know, Gaddafi and, you know, the issue behind that? Sure. Um, so Pan Am Flight 103, uh, and this is sort of what I learned when I um, was first uh, starting out with my interviews with Sousa um, and my research. Um, it was really just an event that had never happened before. Um, yeah. What the police, the Scottish police decided and the working in concert with the FBI. Um, first of all, it was a groundbreaking criminal investigation. Uh, it had never really happened in this to this scale. It is still the largest crime scene in history uh, mm. because it encompasses somewhere around 700 or eight, 750 or 800 square miles. Whoa. Um, yeah, because, you know, the plane exploded in midair. So there was just debris. The debris field was everywhere. Um, and so they had to painstakingly uh, comb over just hundreds of square acres of land um, in order to uh, to collect all all necessary evidence. So, um, but it was a really groundbreaking event because what they determined um, and what was eventually um, discovered at trial, um, uh, there was a Libyan man who was found guilty of placing the bomb on Pan Am Flight 103. Uh, is that it was even just the the concept of the crime was groundbreaking. It was one country, Libya, mm -hmm. attacking another country, the United States, in another country, yeah, the United United Kingdom, uh, specifically Scotland, um, and what so th that had really never happened before. So um, it really required a just a kind of a coming together of so many nations um uh to to solve this um and well the the plane where it landed in scotland um where the wreckage landed in scotland it landed in the like one of the smallest police forces in scotland it, um uh which was just another kind of mind-blowing aspect of it and so but it that's where it landed so the, uh, that police force uh took uh control over the investigation um and it was just really kind of a, a fascinating um forensic investigation where they had to comb through all of these areas of of land uh, beautiful countryside um to find the littlest pieces of evidence um as to what happened. And um, they eventually found that uh, in the wreckage 
there was a fragment of a timer that oh my was used on the bomb. Um, and so, uh, but they found it, uh, it was obviously packed in a suitcase. Um, and they found other material that indicated it was packed in a radio in the suitcase. How in the world? I mean, I can't get my brain around 800 square miles, mm -hmm. teeny weeny pieces of, yeah. how long was this investigation? Well, the, the, the initial investigation, um, the collection of evidence took months, uh, if not even maybe a year or two. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but the, the painstaking going through because it's not it's not as though they found everything and it was like a map that led to Libya they had to they found a, an article of clothing that the bomb radio it was a Toshiba radio cassette mm -hmm. um, had been wrapped in and it led them to Malta because they found a tag uh, on on this one piece of clothing and they were able to determine that it, that that piece of clothing was only sh sold at a certain number of shops. So they went to each shop and they interviewed, it, you know, it took years to interview all of these people who were, who had, you know, mm -hmm. either seen something. Um, they found a shopkeeper on Malta um, who uh, had remembered selling someone um, this particular item of clothing. Amazing. Um, yeah. So uh, it, it was just, you know, it, it was just, you know, the other thing about it is it was supposed to, Pan Am Flight 103 was actually supposed to blow up over water. Um, so all of this evidence was going to be lost. It was wow. planned on being lost. Being lost, yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, there were just a couple of, um, it was a very windy night, so the, the plane took a more northerly route, mm -hmm. and that's what caused it to be over Scotland at the at the time. Yes. Um, and so, and it was, if it had happened just a few minutes after the fact, it would have blown up over water. It was about to cross into, um, into over the ocean. So, um, so because it landed in, in Scotland, um, which was, you know, a tragedy because it killed a lot, as you mentioned in the mm -hmm. in the intro, eleven people on the ground. Um, but because it happened over land, they were able to collect this evidence. Um, so it was, uh, in some ways, that was a blessing because it would have just been deemed a plane crash. Right. But they, there's no way they would have been able to get any remains of any of the bodies. Exactly. Um, exactly. So uh, I mean, it was just horrible that the other just. Um, tragedy of it all is that, you know, Lockerbie, the town of Lockerbie is this adorable, sleepy little village that is very well contained within a certain area, but yeah. it's surrounded by acres and acres of farmland. And it the plane happened to fall on the town itself and not any of the farmland, you know, mm. so, so, you know, there were families that were just wiped off the map essentially because right. they were incinerated by the the plane's wings which landed on a neighborhood and exploded um so it, it was just uh, an unflinching tragedy after tragedy um but what they were able to determine was that libya was responsible for the bombing mm -hmm. um and they had uh they were able to connect a swiss company that had made the bomb timer 
the, the fragment of which they found in the wreckage. And the manufacturer of that timer, um, he uh, told authorities that he had sold 10 of these timers to Gaddafi. Wow. And what had happened before all of that um, was, you know, Gaddafi had a, a, a real uh, hatred of Ronald Reagan mm -hmm. um, because in 19, in the mid 80s, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, bombed Tripoli. Uh, and this was after Gaddafi had bombed a, uh, a German discotheque. Uh, okay. where a number of U.S. servicemen were. Um, so it was kind of like a retaliatory war between That's Reagan and Gaddafi. Yeah. And Reagan ordered strikes on Tripoli, which killed a number of people, a uh, number mm -hmm. of citizens, including Gaddafi's adopted daughter. So, um, uh, and Pan Am Flight 103 happened in the last month of the Reagan presidency. Um, and um, it, a lot of people believe that it was Gaddafi's chance last chance to kind of get him before he he left office interesting wow and uh what was the response to this film when it came out i mean people are just so incredibly moved by this story and a lot of them just i i've heard from so many people who had no idea how massive it was um the other it was just a groundbreaking event in so many ways because what happened was nobody in the, you know, terrorism was a relatively new concept at the time. There were a number of airline incidents in the 70s and 80s, um, you know, hijackings. Um, there were a couple of uh, bombs uh, on planes, but um, uh, none of them had happened to uh, America. Um, and uh, largely the West in general. Uh, Pan Am Flight 103 was one of the first um, terrorist incidents that uh, that was directed towards America. So at least here in this country, we didn't really know of anything before then. But as a result, nobody in the government really knew what to do with this incident. Um, and, you know, the Pan Am Flight 103 families were really, they've described themselves to me as the guinea pigs of this whole um, uh, process of recovering the dead, interacting with the families of victims. Um, what they did, which was just abhorrent, was they, they gave the task of working with the victim families to Pan Am. And Pan Am, which had other interests uh, in in this investigation in the beginning, right? Um, they they gave the task of of working with these families to their part time employees, and they had no, you know, they were in over their head. They had no grief counseling experience. There was no, they just didn't know what they were doing. But also, they were busy. A lot of people described. Um, intrusive questioning from Pan Am workers really that they would later use in the negligence trial against Pan Am so they were kind yeah. of gathering information to find out you know I mean there was uh, they were some of the families asked uh, said that they were asked whether or not their child was gay because oh, if, if the child was gay he wouldn't he or she wouldn't have children and so that would eventually lessen the amount of money that they were going ridiculous. to ridiculous. So yeah, um, and or it was like the you know they would ask them what their wages were, 
you know, from the, all of their like lawn mowing jobs. Come on. Yeah. To, and that would later be used to prove that they weren't going to make anything in, the, in their lives. Or if they were an actor, they were going to be poor. And that would lessen the, the damages. So it was really just disgusting. Um, but yeah. they were the Pan Am Flight 103 families were the first people who had been thrown into this situation. And as a result, they uh, they took their lessons learned and worked with the federal government. And right now there's an, an office within the FBI that is called the Victims of Crime Office. And it specifically handles victims of terrorism and violent crime abroad, Americans uh, who are abroad and are right. caught in, in a terrorist attack. Um, right. And so right now when that happens, uh, an FBI agent travels with the remains of the victim um, and ensures that they get home. So there's, and they're very attuned to the needs of the families, but that wouldn't have happened. If anything, 9-11 was a, uh, when smoothly <laughs> in this regard, because of the Pan Am Flight 103 families, mm -hmm. you know, if you can use the word smoothly here. But The one thing I will add though, I was so interesting, and I put this on the blog as well, is that here, Gaddafi, you know, he had all these oil reserves mm -hmm. and he threatened to withdraw from a massive British petroleum contract if that convicted murderer was not released. And then the British and American governments did nothing as Scottish officials caved Gaddafi's demands and released the prisoner. Which, you know, if I had lost my child and just yeah. seeing the way everything was handled, it's just horrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it was, uh, you know, the film, um, it, I, when I started out, I, I reached out to a couple other families um, who were willing to speak with me. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I intended it to be a retrospective film, um, that nothing would really occur while I was filming, because at this point, um, the trial had been held. The trial was another groundbreaking event, by the way. Okay. Um, it was held in in um, uh, Netherlands in uh, in a, a former U.S. airbase called Camp Zeist um, that had been gifted to Scotland for them to have a trial on Scottish soil in the Netherlands because Gaddafi would not release the uh, suspects okay. to the United Kingdom for trial. Mm -hmm. or the United States. So that was another groundbreaking aspect of, of Pan Am Flight 103. But um, the trial had been over. The families had received a payout from Libya uh, of $10 million per victim. Um, and Gaddafi had accepted responsibility um, for the bombing, which um, was sort of the least he could have done. But, right. um, but what happened was... Uh, BP, uh, you know, British Petroleum, um, uh, stars of the Gulf <laughs> massacre of the of the the ocean. Um, the uh, they had a contract for these massive oil fields in Libya, and Libya ha has one of the richest oil reserves on Earth. Earth, and it's a very uh, it's a very ref it's a, one of the best types of oil that you can find. It needs less refining. And it basically had just gone untapped for so many years um, because Gaddafi's regime, uh, you know, it, there were a lot of sanctions on working with Libya and in right. Libya. And so Gaddafi 
threatened to uh, withdraw this massive BP oil contract, and BP is the largest public company mm -hmm. uh, of Britain. And unless the man who was convicted of the bombing was released from prison, and he just happened to have been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And so what ended up occurring while I was filming and I was able to film this with the families, which was just something I did not expect, uh, expect was I was able to capture the, the families having one more insult added on to, I mean, it was just a constant salt in the wound thing. Um, and the families thought the story was over. I thought the story was over. And then they finally, the justice that they had fought for for so many years was just ripped out from under them. And um, they had to witness the man who was convicted of this bombing being released from prison. And it was later discovered, um, it wasn't known at the time, although everyone suspected it had something to do with oil, um, that that Gaddafi had made these threats and he was going to uh, withdraw from this, uh, this, I mean, what would eventually amount to a trillion dollar deal for BP oil. Um, he was going to pull the contract if, uh, the, the, if he wasn't released from prison. And so they they cobbled up some reason, some horrific reasoning that he was dying of prostate cancer and why not show him some mercy, this man in prison who, by the way, anyone who had prostate cancer on Pan Am Flight 103, they didn't get to die exactly <laughs> in the comfort of their bed Bad. at home. Yeah. yeah. And so and so, you know, the what but was really truly insulting was is that the the man who uh, there, there was a doctor in the United Kingdom who um, was paid by the Libyan government to assess uh, uh, Megrahi's case. Um, Abdelbasset al-Megrahi was the convicted murderer of Pan Am Flight 103. And he, uh, in his medical papers, which were later revealed by a journalist, um, revealed that McGrahi was going to be put on a type of medication that was only given to people who had a long-term prognosis of uh, prostate cancer, which was to say he wasn't near death at all. Um, so he was released from prison. Yeah, it was disgusting. And he was released from prison and then he didn't die until about three years later. Mm. So, and the, they, the whole reason for him being released was that, oh, he's, he's imminently... Uh, dying of prostate cancer is going to be dead within two months. So I, I have so much to say, but I won't. Yeah, no, I know. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of people were just outraged by that. And, you I, know, it, yeah. it, it's just uh, it's a horrific chapter in American history that just is not known about enough. Mm. Where can people find out more about the film? Well, they can view it. Um, it's available to rent or buy on Amazon, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, um, uh, Apple TV. Mm -hmm. And I put so, the trailer and everything on my the website on my show blog as well. Yes, the website is since103film.com. Um, and some people in other countries might have it included in their Amazon Prime membership. So, okay, yeah. How did it feel when this film was done? I mean, it just, it, 
I didn't ever really feel like it was done because I kept on waiting for the other shoe to drop all the time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there, you know, there's still news that's coming out about Pan Am Flight 103. Um, really? After the film was completed. Yeah. Um, there, you know, Bill Barr on um, December 21st, the uh, anniversary of the bombing um, mm -hmm. in 2020, um, he, uh, he, charged um announced charges for another libyan man who um you know because it wasn't just this one guy sure. who um was convicted uh yeah. it, was, it was a whole real conspiracy um you know it there was a, a lot of aspects of this um so there were many people in gaddafi's inner circle who uh were known to have been involved, but there either wasn't enough evidence. Um, they called them unnamed co-conspirators. Um, and so um, there, there's just, there's any, a lot of, Scotland and, and the United States have not actually closed the case um, in Japan and 103. It's, it's, well, it you never know. Open. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Someone, someone could talk years from now and go, yes. you know what? I knew all about it. I was paid mm -hmm. to keep my mouth shut. Yes. Or threatened for my life. Um, was this shown at Syracuse? Yes, it has been shown uh, at the, uh, you know, Syracuse has a Remembrance Week now. Yes. Um, uh, every year they, um, the, you know, there were 35 Syracuse University students on board. So this was mm -hmm. a massive event for uh, Syracuse. Um, yeah. And they have a Remembrance Week every year where uh, students at Syracuse are uh, rewarded uh, with scholarships um, uh, for each student that died on the flight. Okay. So um, if there, you know, if there was an, a, a student on the flight who was an English major, the person who gets the scholarship would also be an English major. That's great. Yeah. Um, and so they, they have screened the film at, um, uh, at the, at the university. Um, uh, many of these, um, uh, remembrance weeks so Good. I'm hoping that will become a permanent thing that would be great yeah and have you produced gone on to produce other documentaries since are you working on some stuff <laughs> yes since being the operative word um the yeah I'm I'm I have a number of um projects in the fire and possibly working on like a a sort of a sequel to this okay um there's so many aspects of the film that did not were not able to make this uh 84 minute uh feature sure so but i don't want to give too much about oh, that no, that's but fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah i just when i heard about this film i reached out because i i went to syracuse as an undergrad and then stayed for grad school and i just remember hearing about it and feeling very alone like getting the news and just feeling like, wait, where are my friends? Because everybody had left. Yeah. And it was just, it was horrifying. And I, I was kept thinking, my gosh, do I know someone? Because, you know, I don't know if these were juniors or seniors or a whole bunch mm -hmm. of mix of ages. Um, but it's just, you know, no one will ever forget this if you were at Syracuse at that time. I'm sure. Yeah. And, you know, Syracuse University got into trouble a little bit later on um, because they went on with a basketball game, if I remember correctly. They I don't did? Know if you, yeah, it was a it was a it was a basketball game a, a, that was scheduled to go on. And they kind of in the uh, 
in the heat of everything that was going on, they 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 thought they shouldn't cancel it. Um, wow. So I don't know. Did were you you obviously didn't go to that? No, no, that I game, had left but... a class. You know, it's so strange. It was December twenty first. Yeah. So it was right before Christmas. So yeah, I was you're right. Say, I probably the just campus like, was empty. Finished up or heading home the next day to Connecticut, and yeah, and heard the news that night. Yeah. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you wanted to make this film. It's an important film. Thank you. You know, to honor the families and give them a, you know, a moment because of what, what they lost, you know, it's horrific. So thank you. And I'd really enjoy this. Anything else you want to leave the listeners with? No, I mean, I just think, you know, everybody just needs to kind of stop and think about you know, if Pan Am Flight 103 had happened on December 20th or December 22nd, uh, it would have been a completely different class of people that were affected. Mm-hmm. And I just think too often we forget that, you know, we hear these events and we think, oh, relatively few people were were in that event or were affected by this and we kind of go on with our lives and we don't really pay heed to that um we see it on the news but you know it's really bad luck for someone to be caught up in a terrorist attack because it is just relatively few there's so few people that uh statistically are part of it but that doesn't mean that it's not horrific for the people who are unlucky enough to be in that scenario. So I guess just we need to kind of remember that it could happen to all of us, um, any of us at any moment. And um, I don't know if we only, you know, pay attention to this event on anniversary, um, we're not really doing it justice and we're not really respecting the Americans or the global citizens and this terrorism happens every day yeah um and we're not really everybody just moves on and it's 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 really traumatic as well for these families is the the sense that they are forgotten so i don't know i think it's important to um to learn about pan am flight 103 365 days of the year and that was the other thing i wanted to do um i didn't you know, people only kind of pay attention to it as a news story mm-hmm. on December 21st because right. anniversaries fit in with our media, <laughs> uh, right. you know, mindset here. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Where are you located, Phil? I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm in Orange County. Yeah. We're recovering East Coasters. Yes. Yes. How long have you been out here? Uh, it'll be about... 17 years this uh this coming january okay yeah i'm a little longer than you i came out here in 2000 yeah okay there's no other place to be in my mind i agree have you shown this to the syracuse uh la office you know i haven't actually but it's actually not far from where i live um you should think about it i've done i've gone to events there and they're a great bunch of people and yeah. um, they might want to do a viewing yeah person i think that that's a good idea. Yeah. When once this, you know, I don't know once it's what's safe. going on. Yeah. Right. COVID. Well, it was great meeting you. Thank you so much for taking yes. the time. Thank you. This is wonderful. Uh-huh.